What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Rebuilding New York Football Podcast, December 3rd. Oh, my God. We took a little bit of a break for uh, Thanksgiving, of course. We, we weren't around last week. And then Tuesday, I just couldn't find the time to put out a pod and put the effort into it that you would like to see and wouldn't waste everyone's time because that's not what we do around here. We don't spew BS and uh, just put it out there. We're going to take our time, look at the film, look at uh, what's going on around the league, what's going on with these two teams and put something out there uh, to the best of our ability. We're not just going to record every Tuesday and Thursday if we don't feel that, uh, we had done our, our research, or my research, I don't know why I keep on saying we are our, if you don't know by now, it's it's a one-man show over here, but that's really what I'm, I, uh, part of the reason why Tuesday was a wash. Uh, happy Thursday, though. Already another weekend. I don't know about you guys, but weeks be flying by right now. I mean, with, with everything going on, um, certainly back at home a lot more um with the uh the rise in cases but it's all good because we got a pod coming out every tuesday and thursday um from here on forward and we're gonna dive into the draft i just finished making the um what i would call the the baseline of my of my database for um for this draft in the um, and all the prospects that have declared already, because I'm not going to put anyone that hasn't declared yet in that database, because of uh, you know everyone got a got another year of eligibility because of COVID. If you're a college football player, so these seniors, even though they're seniors, it really doesn't matter if they don't want to come out; they don't have to come out, uh, and they could spend another year in in college, especially if they want to improve their draft stock. So right now we have about a hundred and I want to say it's a hundred and thirty guys. Uh, let me check that in that database. If you're interested, I can send it to you. Um, yeah, hundred and thirty-three guys in that database. Um, if you want, if you're interested, shoot me a DM on on Twitter or um, yeah, or an email. Um, or whatever, uh, however you want to get in contact with me. And uh, I could shoot it over to you. I have it um, broken down by position. And then on the first page, it's all the um, all the players on uh, what, what's going to be my big board. They're not in order yet. Um, it's all the Senior Bowl accepted offers. Uh, so guys like uh, Racy McMath, uh, Austin Watkins Jr., C. Smith, uh, Cordarius Tooney out of Florida, to name some of the wide receivers. We have Roundtree. Um, Trey Sermon accepted an offer yesterday, uh, a couple days ago. Um, so on and so forth. And guys that opted out of uh, this year and declared for the draft, we have that. We also have, if you look and uh, see it broken down by position, because there's different tabs. Uh, we have name, uh, school, year that they're declaring, or they would have been if they opted out, um, what they were supposed to be this fall, the age on draft night, their height, their weight, if they uh, are going to the senior bowl, um, or if they're ineligible, and if they opted out. And then I'm, I have a film tracker on the 
on the right, which is going to tell you or tell myself that I've watched film on these guys. Uh, we haven't gone to the scouting notebook part of this evaluation uh, process yet. Um, for the guys that uh, did opt out, uh, they're pretty much done. I'm trying to figure out exactly what kind of a grading scale I'm going to use. Last year, I kind of did it based on um, very vague uh, terms where it was um, like early first rounder, like top 10 blue chip prospect, um, first rounder, second early second round stuff like that when it's just i don't know i i didn't like it that much it, it seemed to be a little confusing even to myself um where in my head i knew where i liked these guys but realistically they um you know if you put it on paper um it, it's a little tougher to uh explain if you're not listening to the podcast that all you see is a spreadsheet and you see that um I have so-and-so as a first rounder and or a second rounder. And you're like, how the hell do you have this guy as a second rounder? And I don't get to really explain myself. I don't like that. I'm, I'm not a really big person on that. I don't just put stuff out there, right? There's always a reason for the things I do. Uh, I don't just rank guys, right? I think you're seeing a lot on draft Twitter. Um, if you, Even if you're a part of the community and listening to this, you see a lot of guys just put out rankings and it's kind of like baseless. Like there was a guy who was bashing Penny Sewell this week uh, and showing clips of him against Washington that made him look really shitty. But if you really watch the film of that game, he kind of dominates on almost every other possession it, it's i don't like stuff like that it's almost like people say something and then look for evidence to back it up um that's not how we roll here everyone is a clean slate um i do go back to the year pre, uh, the previous year if something significantly changes um for example probably not going to go back to Trevor Lawrence's junior year. I mean, sophomore year. Um, not that I haven't already. I, I did this off season, but I, I wouldn't go back and make um, a judgment of pieces of film of him from his sophomore year and predicate my analysis on that. It's kind of silly. Um, so that's why when we look at Sewell, you're assuming that a 19-year-old 19 is done with getting better every every week because um, he, he opted out this fall for those you don't know or are new to this class right like stuff like that it, it blows my mind um, yeah, but that's what happens when you have Twitter and um, you gain a following you're kind of taken as gospel um, and you I don't know. You could be really irresponsible with some of the things you say. And there's ways to escape accountability on uh, social media where people turn a blind eye towards your evaluations. Um, but whatever. That's a rant for a different time. Um, so 
basically what today is going to be is it's going to be a little bit of a review of this weekend, not really as in-depth. I think I'm going to cut down on the in-depth reviews. It, it seems like it's a little um, overdone on my side because it's not like you're looking at the film in front of you. So it's going to be specific examples of um, pieces of the game, but it's not going to be uh, at three minutes into the film. Uh, Dexter Lawrence makes a great play, uh, stuff like that. It just it feels a little too in depth, especially without film in front of you. And I don't really, I'm willing to post stuff on Twitter with film, but on YouTube and stuff like that, it's a little more iffy. Um, I don't know how that really works. How I know some people get copyrighted with it, but I've seen lately some guys be able to put out uh, the coach's film and not really get copyrighted. Maybe because they're doing a voiceover and it's not like a Fox broadcast instead of uh, maybe it would be me talking. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so let's let's hop into it. We'll uh, we'll start with the Alex Lewis drama for the Jets. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Alex Lewis sat against the Dolphins uh, and hasn't practiced since last week. And there's been real no really no update on why this is. I it's a little confusing on my part how the beat is not all over this. They've asked Adam Gase for an exact comment, but it's kind of silly in my opinion that like how does no one know? Like you're either your sources suck, um, or. I don't know. I, I don't get it. Um, like, you have sources on the team. Like, people trust you on the team. This team is not very... Uh, it's not very locked um, locked down in terms of information. People leak a lot. Um, Alex Lewis is even practicing today. So, let's, let's go over it. There's a couple of theories. Incarcerated Bob put out one. Um, whatever you think about him, I, I don't really... I know he's a pretty controversial person. Um, I know he's, but he's gotten a lot of stuff right. So I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving him credit. I know he's a Long Island guy, from what I understand. Um, and he went on private. Why did he do that? Okay. Interesting. Anyway, he had said that. It's so weird. He was not on private last night. Uh, he had said that Alex Lewis and Adam Gase had gotten into a bit of a, a spout or a, a fight, a verbal altercation, where Adam Gase ended up telling Alex Lewis to fuck off or get the fuck out or something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know how true that is. It, it's He claims that it's from an internal source. And then later on today, there was a story from uh, New York Sports Magazine, New York Sports Fans Magazine, um, who I, I honestly, I don't know how credible it is. Um, I, I don't know anything about them, but I had seen a couple of days ago that they had posted something that they did have sources on what had happened. 
um, well, who those sources are, we don't know, but we're going to take their word for it today. And they put out a couple hours ago, Alex, uh, Alex Lewis story now confirmed by multiple sources. Apparently Lewis and Joe Flacco got into an altercation and had to be separated in the parking lot after a game a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, Alex Lewis went off on Gase during a practice, still trying to get more details. So take that as you will. Um, the game from a couple of weeks ago, I, the only one that really makes sense to me would be the Patriots game where Flacco, there was a pick that deep wall into, into double coverage. I don't really know what else Joe Flacco has really done wrong outside of that game. I know he's not a very good player. I'm not going to sit here and say that. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But in, in week 10, was it week 10? Week 9? Week nine, the Jets play on that Monday night football game. The uh, the Jets lose by three points, but I mean, I think they run three plays or four plays in the uh, in the fourth quarter, and one of them on the first play that they run in the fourth quarter, he throws a deep ball into double coverage. Denzel Mims. So maybe Alex Lewis confronted him on that. Um, why would you throw that ball? I'm not sure. He wasn't open. It was also against everything that the Jets have run up to that point. Uh, so that would kind of make sense to me. In, in all honesty, I, I mean, I, I really don't know what else you'd confront. Um, you'd confront uh, Joe Flacco about, right? Like maybe it has nothing to do with the game or maybe, maybe it had something to do with something personal. We don't know. Uh, hopefully the beat gets on their shit and puts something out there. I'm kind of pissed off that they're not all over this. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how that happens, but it's, that's the New York beat for you. Um, only taking initiative when, um, in, in shitty spots, but whatever. Uh, next up we have giants on top of the NFC East. Of course, as you Giants fans know, and are probably sick of the Jets talk on this pod, they are four and seven. Washington um, loses two games to them during the regular season, so they do have the tiebreaker over them. Um, <laughs> it's a tough road ahead. Uh, that, that's all I'll say. I um. I don't think I'm as confident in this football team as others might be, but like, I'm not going to sit here and, and hate on giants fans for being pumped up about their squad. Like they looked not so great in, I wouldn't say they look great in this game, but in weeks past, they've looked really solid and I give them a lot of credit for that because it's not easy to kind of like, step up with the new coach during the offseason. You bring in a a lot of moving pieces on defense and put together a really solid defense that's kind of leading that team. I'll give the Giants a hell of a lot of credit because I don't think a lot of teams uh, are able to pull that off. So I I really do. Look, at the end of the day, the Giants aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. Right? So that's fine. I, I don't think anyone was expecting that. I don't think anyone was really expecting anything more than a six-win team or a seven-win team out of the Giants this year, right? 
the fact that they're on top of the NFC East is a win for this franchise. You're probably moving on from Jason Garrett in the offseason. You're probably bringing in someone that wants to do what Joe Judge is looking for on offense, where it's more of a pound-the-rock lifestyle. I think Jason Garrett's done a pretty good job in the past couple of weeks. I still think they move on from him. I don't think it's this is really a good fit for him. I, I don't know where he really came into play for them. Uh, if that was a Mara decision, because Jason Garrett is a former uh, giant. I'm not sure where he fits into all this. I think they move on from him, though, and that's fine. I don't really worry about who the Giants are going to be able to pull for that offensive coordinator spot. And what I mean by that is I think people are going to look at the potential that the Giants have to be a playoff team next year and are going to jump in and want in to be able to build their uh, resume as uh, the offensive coordinator of a playoff team. Who that is, I think we'll know more this offseason. It depends on who gets jobs where. Um, There's going to be a lot of shakeup around the league. We've seen Patricia fired. um, Dan Quinn's been fired. uh, Bill O'Brien has been fired. I'm assuming Doug Marone's going to be fired out of Jacksonville. They, of course, fired Caldwell the other day. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Adam Gase is going to be gone. There's going to be a lot of shakeup around the league, so it's something to keep an eye on. Um, and the Giants' schedule moving forward is kind of sucky, right? At Seattle, which I think, I think they can go one and one in these next two games. And it sucks because Colt McCoy is a starting quarterback, so that makes me feel a little less confident. I think it depends on how well their defense plays. They could slow, but even then, damn. I think they could squeak out a win over Arizona. I think uh, Patrick Graham is going to be able to slow down Murray. um, And this defensive line is going to be able to get a pass rush on him. And uh, keep them contained in the pocket because, look, uh, as good as Arizona is, I, I think their scheme's a little off right now. I think that you're going to see Joe Judge watch the film on the Patriots game with Patrick Graham and be like, "What does Bill do?" You know, Bill has a, a really good track record against running quarterbacks and how to slow him down. I think that you're going to see. Um, Ooh, a lot of emails just came in. That was so weird. Um, I think you're going to see that. Um, a similar approach to those these two next two games, in all honesty, as to what Bill does against um, quarterbacks that can that are mobile. <sighs> what sucks is. That as much as I think Seattle's a winnable game if Daniel Jones plays. I don't know what McCoy is going to look like. Uh, they kind of use them the same way that they use Jones, where he's kind of sneaky athletic. But at the end of the day, it's Colt McCoy and not Daniel Jones. So if they had Daniel Jones, I would feel a little more confident. I, I don't really feel that confident in, in this week. I think the defense is going to be able to slow down Russell Wilson in the passing attack and 
take away the run game because of how good the defensive linemen are. But at the end of the day, um, they have the advantage at receiver. And uh, that's really what it comes down to for the for the Seahawks. I don't see Bradbury shutting down uh, Metcalf. And and worst comes to worst, they, they go to Lockett, which is certainly not a number two for a lot of teams in this league. He's a really good football player. Um, but the fact that the Seahawks struggle against the Eagles um, in a weird, weird game, um, I think that, that that's not as promising as that is for the Giants. I don't think it's all that promising. The, the Seahawks have sucked on the road this year. They really have um, lost to Buffalo on the road, the Cardinals on the road, and thought they lost to one more on the road. Buffalo and the Rams on the road. They are their three losses come on the road. They're home this week. They are they're probably pissed off that they only won by six points against the the Eagles. Right, I think that this that night proved how shitty the Eagles actually are. Um, so I think the goal for the Giants is to split the Arizona Seattle game. They go on to they're in a tough spot, especially with Baltimore in Week 16 coming up, where I don't know if they can win that game. Uh, it depends on who's back for Baltimore, of course, and uh, Dallas, of course, doesn't matter who's playing; it's going to be a tough one. It's just the fact of the matter. Uh, those two teams always play each other tough. It depends on where Dallas is. It, they seem like the kind of team that's going to quit on themselves if they're not in the playoff race at Week 17. Um, if Dallas is hanging on by a thread and they play and say that they need a win and they need Washington to lose for them to win the win the East, they're going to play hard, and I think that they get a win there. Regardless, it's a toss-up. It, it really is. Um, and then, of course, you have Cleveland, who we don't know what we're going to get out of them. It's a tough road ahead. But to say that the Giants are out of it is, is silly, of course. And to say that the Giants are a lock is also silly. Just it, it, it is what it is. And you got to, no matter what, you're either picking top 10 or you're in the playoffs. And I think that that's, two very big positives for this Giants football team. Because you imagine they have a big, first of all, they have a big offseason ahead of us, ahead of them. They'll talk about that more on next Tuesday. But um, a top 10 pick would be very, very good for this Giants football team. So let's quickly review the Giants Bengals. Uh, Jones heard, of course, McCoy to start against the Seahawks. The special team sucked. Uh, the kickoff return for a touchdown on the fake punt. I would imagine Joe Judge is fuming at the top of his head uh, at this point. Um, the Bengals were really bad without Burrow, of course. Ingram continues to have his woes. The fumble after an awesome play, um, of course. Uh, oh, boy. The fumble after the awesome play, of course. And uh, then... At the end of the game, he comes up huge with a with a huge catch in the third. Uh, Bengals couldn't really move the ball on their own. The turnover helps them. The uh, Slayton fumble 
And then the kickoff return for a touchdown, of course, puts their only touchdown of oh no, their second. No, they had one earlier in the game. I uh, know they had one at the end. No, I'm stupid. That was uh, that was stupid. That was just I had them backwards. But regardless, it's ten points that are basically let up by the Giants on silliness, right? The kickoff return should have never happened. They were kind of caught sleeping, and Darius Slayton stole onto the football. That's 10 points. That shouldn't have happened. Uh, 10-10 at half feels very un- unacceptable for a playoff team uh, or what could be a playoff team against the Bengals who have the backup quarterback and really struggled against um, to move the ball in this game. Um, they're, apparently, the Bengals' defense is good enough to um, hold the Giants at 10 points. That That's a problem to me. Uh the Lalo's pick was awesome, but uh, Holmes deserves a shit ton of credit on that. He makes a really good play, and I feel like we're talking about Nico Lalo's. Like, he's an all-star. Holmes is a really good football player who gets better every week. Um, I think he's going to be nice for them uh, going forward, and that's what I mean by the Giants. Like, you're gaining steam for the next couple of years. You're getting better with all these role guys. The problem is that this offseason, you have a lot of a lot of older guys that are kind of expiring. And I don't know what the cap space is for the Giants, but Logan Ryan's going to have to get paid. He's an all-star. I'm not an all-star. I keep saying all-star on NBA time. Um, he's a pro bowler probably. And I, I just, I can't imagine them letting him walk. Uh, maybe because Xavier McKinney's coming back, but I'd rather have all three include like peppers included and have McKinney somewhere in that lineup rather than um, just McKinney and Peppers. I don't know how you let Logan Ryan walk. Uh, you also have Williams and Tomlinson expiring. Uh, so that's a tough offseason for them. Uh, the four-minute drill at the end of the game should not have happened. I, I didn't like that at all. Uh, so they go down the field and score a touchdown, and then they stop them with about a minute left. The Bengals get a good punt return. And have the ball on the 50-yard line. And they fumble on the first play. Jabal Sheard makes a hell of a play. Strip sack on Allen. And um, the Giants should probably lose this game. Uh, they lose it if Burrow plays. They uh, they lose it if a lot of other people are playing quarterback. But it doesn't matter at the end of the day. They come away with the win. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Right, you're just trying to make it into the playoffs. I was concerned at the lack of ability with the football in the Bengals. It's they're not really known for their defense. Uh, if you look at past scores, they kind of get into a shootout with everybody because of how bad they are. The difference is they don't have Joe Burrow today or Joe Mixon. Um, but if Shear doesn't make this play, they just need a field goal to win. And to be fair, Reggie Bullock's kicking for them, so it's not too promising of a of a hit unless it's close and they only had a minute left. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a close one. And I, I worry about what that means for the Seattle game and the games moving forward. Are we taking the NFC East wins um, for, uh, you know, as, as, 
as nice as it is to to beat your rivals, are we taking them too much into account for how good of a team this is? Maybe they're just the best team in the NFC East. I think right now the way I view them is, um, you know, kind of like that pain in the ass team that like is close in a lot of games, but isn't exactly there yet. Um, and next year is really the year where you expect them to make that jump. If that makes sense. Like I'm cautiously optimistic right now for the giants. And I think that's fair. I don't think that we have to jump in on them as being this, uh, Super Bowl contender or something like that, like a lot of fans do, um, which is fine. Group for your team. I'm never going to hate on you for that, but I don't think that they're there yet. And I think that that's a fair assessment on where they're at. And to say that they're not going to be there next year would be wrong because I do think that there's an opportunity to be really good next year. My goals for the offseason, somehow you got to retain Patrick Graham. Um, I don't know. I know he's viewed highly um, around the league. I just don't know how many teams are going to go. All right, we need to bring in a defensive coordinator to be our next head coach. I think it's with how offensively dominant this you know, head coach hires have been as of late. I think you see guys like Joe Brady get a job, Arthur, Arthur Smith, uh, Brian Dayball get a job over a Patrick Graham. And to be fair, Robert Sala is uh, 100% probably going to get a job over Patrick Graham. He's just due. Uh, he should have got one last round, and I think he gets one this go around. Now, before we do Jets-Dolphins, and Jets-Dolphins is going to be a quick one because that game sucked. Um, So, I was on Twitter the other day, and I honestly, I don't know how this has not been discussed. Um... before and maybe it's because i'm a little bit younger on on the younger side where i didn't really get the chance to watch eric Bieniemy play football in this league because he did he played for the chargers and the Bengals and the eagles had a nice uh what is it eight-year career um and then went on to coach at Colorado and UCLA. And then, of course, he makes his way up the ranks to uh, Kansas City. And I don't know the guy, and I won't act like I know him. I did have to verify this. Let's, let's, I just want to point that out uh, after seeing it on Twitter, because not that I didn't believe it, but I, I did think it was rather odd that it hasn't been really discussed. Benjamin Albright covers the Broncos. Uh dabbles in covering the league a little bit uh really good what he does uh has put out some faulty stuff at points but for the most part uh pretty accurate especially when it comes to sources and he put out a tweet the other day that said 
most of it is over a decade ago, but and people can actually can definitely change and grow. But it's a tough sell to say a guy with allegedly multiple assaults, including choking a woman, a DUI, a separate fleeing the scene, and being a part of a sexual assault cover up should lead your team. And this is why Eric Bieniemy has not gotten a job in this league. Uh, head coaching gig. And I had I had to verify all of this um, before putting it out there because I, I didn't feel comfortable with it because it's a lot of baggage for a guy that um, is a head coaching candidate. And this might actually be one of the main reasons why he's not a head coach. It probably is the reason why. Uh, look, I, I think that it kind of makes sense. Um for this to be the reason I would assume he's brought in and asked about all these instances during interviews and guys with clean, pla- clean pasts are given leeway. You, you already know that somebody is sitting out there with a story. The second this guy gets a head coaching job, that's going to make him look really shitty, right? Someone's sitting on, and that's not like they're not in the wrong, right? But it, it sucks. And, it's it's shitty. I I know a lot of these happened over a decade ago, but I would say that it, he's right. It's a tough sell. After verifying all these things, I, in all honesty, I don't know if I want him at this point. Um, I I don't know. <sighs> That's, that's tough for me. I don't. I don't. I don't really know what to say about that. I. It's over a decade ago, and people change, like I said. But it's a tough sell. I, I personally, I don't want to touch him after that. Um, but that's just me. Uh, I'm ruling him out as a candidate. It's. Uh, yeah. Um. If you're looking for my top guys right now, it's probably Joe Brady. Uh, if he's paired with an older defensive coordinator, uh, reports are that Vic Fangio might be out of Denver, which I would be very surprised, but maybe he is. I would be interested in that pairing. Wade Phillips would make sense to me. Um, Matt Campbell would be another head coaching candidate that I would. that's very high on my list. I don't think PJ Flex going anywhere, but that's another guy that would be up high on my list. Um, I know Fitzgerald probably isn't going anywhere either, but he's another guy that's high on my list. Uh, Dable, I find very interesting. A lot of people are saying Arthur Smith. Um, it's not that I necessarily have anything against Arthur Smith. I just worry that he would not be uh, I don't know if he ran the same scheme that he's running with Ryan Tannehill with Trevor Lawrence without a Derrick Henry behind him I have a tough time uh, getting behind that especially with the talent that Trevor Lawrence is I, I don't think that he belongs um, under center as often as a Ryan Tannehill is not to say Ryan Tannehill isn't under center. Um, 
I don't know why I just said that. That let me backtrack that. Not to say that Ryan Tannehill and they're just different players. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. And I just I don't see him being that good of a fit for the quarterback that Trevor Lawrence is. I'd like to see Lawrence in the shotgun for the most part. Um, I like to see his numbers of him under center. Not, I think that's what I was trying to say. Um, I don't think it's too bad, but um, it's definitely something to keep uh, an eye on. I personally, I think I prefer Dayball, who has experience with uh, both Saban and I believe Belichick. And I want to double check that before I start spewing stuff. But yeah, he was with the Patriots and from 2000 to 2006, of course was with the Jets in 2000, 2008. That means he followed Mangini and then was the OC for Mangini for the Browns, 2009, 2010. Uh, and makes his way back to the Patriots from 2013 to 2016 uh, as their tight ends coach and offensive assistant becomes the offensive coordinator for Alabama or co-offensive coordinator for Alabama and the quarterbacks coach before getting the Buffalo bills gig in 2018 now to now and i think he's my my lead guy for uh the jets and and just preference uh i think he's shown that he has the ability to work both sides of the ball uh he's worked on both sides of the ball even though offensively is his primary specialty of course but uh it's something i value and I think he's a good enough leader to to pull off something like this. Um, so let's do Jets Dolphins real quick. Uh, I don't have a lot of bullets here. Mostly, Darnold's decision making gets worse every week. His arm looks bad. He looks hurt, but it looks like he's trying to keep his job. It's not helping anyone. Uh, look, his decision making has always been a problem. Like I don't know why people were all of a sudden blowing it blowing it up maybe it's because it's got worse but his making has always been a problem he's always tried to make something happen when nothing was there this was a problem at usc this was a problem his rookie year his sophomore year and now it's a problem that's coming out even worse because mainly in my opinion it's because of his arm it looks worse than it, it was last year and his arm was never that great and i swear to god if you show me the one clip where he throws a deep ball to Robbie Anderson over over the Cowboys' shitty defense last year, I'm going to lose my mind. Because where was that every other week, right? Like, stop showing me one clip of him throwing it deep, where it's, you could argue that, like, I don't know, it, it doesn't look, the ball doesn't pop out of his arm. I don't know. I, I don't get it. it. It never made any sense to me. You guys know if you've listened to me for a, a while now, I don't even know what episode we're on, but uh, if you've listened to me, you know I was not high on Darnold coming out of the draft, and uh, he's outplayed what I expected him to pull off. I'll, I'll say that I, I definitely had a, a first round, a late first round grade on the guy, but he was my fourth quarterback, and I think he's going to be good somewhere else if they develop him the right way. But he has not been developed the right way to where he could have succeeded in this league. He was not. I swear to you, he was not the consensus number one overall player on everyone's board as a quarterback, right? Like, just because the media and Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper had him as number one, 
and all these other guys had him as number one does not mean that every team in this league had him as the number one quarterback. Obviously, the Browns didn't. And to say if they, they've got it right or wrong, I don't. I mean, I guess it's too early to tell. I'm, I can't say I'm the biggest Baker Mayfield guy anymore. I, I was big on him coming out. I had him at, I had him at number one uh, with Josh Allen and then Lamar at number three. And Rosen at five, but, uh, you know, I t- people had Josh Allen as the number one quarterback in the draft. People had Rosen as number one. There was a conversation between the Jets coaching staff and the Jets front office, and there was they were torn between taking Josh Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. This is a fact. It's been reported on. That's why people that were close to the Jets organization thought that they were going to take Josh Rosen. Um, on draft night after Baker Mayfield was the number one pick. It's just the, it's the truth. Like, I don't know why we're hiding from the truth. He was not this, and they showed a freaking, they showed McShay's, or not McShay, was it McShay? They showed his, uh, his grading scale and where the pat like the top three prospects of the past couple of years ranked. And Trevor Lawrence was one and Sam Darnold was three. And it's it's so stupid. I can't believe that. And and look, I I respect Todd McShay. He does a lot of work. Uh, I just disagree with him. Um, but the fact that we're just treating his evaluations like gospel is it's just stupid, right? Like, let's hold on. Grades every quarterback since. So we had. Well, this is weird. So this is something that's completely different than what I had seen the other night. Oh, maybe they showed the past couple of years. He had, and he had luck in 2012 at a 99. Matt Ryan is in 2008 as a 98. Jameis Winston, 97, 2015. Sam Bradford, um, 2010. He had him at a 97. Robert Griffin III, 2012, 97. Mark Sanchez, 2009, 96. Matthew Stafford, 2009, 95. Bling Gabbert, 2011, 95. Ryan Tannehill, 2012, 94. Sam Darnold, 2018, 94. Are we, like, are we understanding that, like, they're not, like, stop taking McShay? Do your own evaluation or listen to the, Listen to someone with, um, you know, you don't have to listen to someone from ESPN or your favorite draft site. Like, find someone that you think evaluates a position rather well and follow them, right? That has a track record of doing it. Not just because we deem McVay, uh, not McVay, McShay and Kuiper as, like, draft gods. Like, do either do your own evaluation, make your own assumptions or find someone with a background in that does quarterbacks really well that knows how to rank quarterbacks really well i don't know what else to say there's plenty of people that can do it right um and i'm not saying that mcshay sucks at it because he's gotten it right before um right we didn't see the sean kaiser's name pop up in any of those um in any of those uh, discussions. 
You, ready? Who, let's pull up. Who did... Was it 2018? We're going to pull up someone who I think gets it right pretty often. And, of course, the flipping... All right, of course, the NFL.com is crappy as it is. Does not have whatever. I think Daniel Jeremiah. Okay, here we go. Barkley, Nelson, Chubb, Ward, Edmonds, Fitzpatrick. Darnold was at seven for Daniel Jeremiah in overall prospects. Right, he was not a consensus number one best player in the draft and this is a pretty stacked draft in uh in some ways he had mayfield at 13 rosen at eight uh he is actually pretty low on josh allen josh allen at 14 um and then where is on lamar's at 41 so he got it wrong too so i was wrong about him (sighs) damn it um, you get the point though. Find someone that's good at evaluating a certain position and follow them. Don't actually, this actually proves my point in a way. You don't have to listen to the big heads that talk on draft night every time. And, um, you know, and listen to them like gospel, like create your own opinions. I didn't, I was right about Sam in some ways. I, I had concerns about the arm strength, the turnovers and, the decision making, right? Rosen, I had him at five. I just, I didn't see that. That didn't make any sense to me. Um, he just, he looked like a seven on seven quarterback. I'm sure he still has a chance to make it in the league. He's only, he's on a practice squad. Personally, if you're one of 32 teams, I don't know how you don't bring him in, but that's just me. And that's someone that was low on him. Lamar Jackson, the hatred he got made no sense to me. Um, Josh Allen, the hatred he got made no sense to me as well. I don't know. And then Baker Mayfield, I really liked. So I was wrong about that. Right. I'll I'll take my misses. I don't care. Like, I do this because I love football. And if you want to listen to me, you don't have to listen to me. But if you want to listen to me, go right ahead. Hit subscribe. Listen to the pod. I don't want to say I'm anywhere near done with this draft class because I'm still waiting on people to declare. But I can assure you that I actually watch the tape, and some of these people do not watch the tape. Uh, and they just put up rankings of people based on highlights or have these confirmation biases. I'm just going to put out what I think. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. You can let me know. I don't care, right? It's not everyone takes things so personal, right? If whatever. Um, Darn's decision making, uh, it sucked. Back to the Jets game, of course. Quinn Williams had another great game, and the Jets need to address cornerback as well. There's really not much else to say. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else you address this team at this point. Um, well, we're gonna hit on Giants and Seattle, which we kind of did already, uh, and then Jets uh, Raiders, which I do not think that that's gonna be a pretty one. Uh. Seattle defense stinks, and the battle is going to be between the Giants defense 
and Seattle offense. We're going to see how good this Giants defense actually is because teams have been able to slow down Seattle's defense. I mean, offense. Like, it's just, we're going to see how good they are. Um, Bradbury gets really tested this week with DK Metcalf. It's just a fact. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, he gets real, this is going to be a tough matchup for him. Uh, And if he has a really good chance to impress a lot of people and shut up a lot of haters that don't have him in their top 10, top fives, because he's a really good corner and this is going to be put up or shut up. I think that the Giants have the advantage at the defensive line position. I don't think the Seahawks offensive line is anything to write home about. I think that's really important. And I think a lot of people are sidestepping over that. And that's why I think the Giants have a shot at winning this game. The issue is on the offensive side of the ball, they have Colt McCoy starting, which we don't really know what a game plan around Colt McCoy looks like. As we saw a lot of the Daniel Jones play calling with Colt McCoy in. Does the playbook change? We shall see. Um, personally, I'm running Wayne Gallman probably 30 times in this game and running out the clock. Right? Win 13 to 10 or lose 13 to 10. Right? I'm not letting Russell Wilson take the field. You're running out the clock most of the game. As for the Jets and the Raiders, I predict an ugly matchup. Um, I think the Raiders offense is going to bounce back after last week. They kind of looked like crap, but the Jets have the Raiders number in years past, right? Like I feel like every year the Jets end up playing the Raiders. They kind of take advantage of them. John Gruden and, um, and company have struggled against them. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to be a shootout. The Raiders defense kind of sucks. Um, the Jets offense sucks. So I, I can't even say that that's an advantage because that's how bad they both are. But the, the Raiders offense probably has the advantage over the Jets defense. But if the Jets play like they did on defense against the Dolphins, I think they have a shot. I worry. I don't know the status of... Let's look up. Or Trent Brown is on the uh, COVID list. And Josh Jacobs might not play. So we don't know for sure who's going to play. And of course, that does matter at the end of the day. But... Oh, my mic went dark. What the hell? There we go. Um, we don't know who's going to end up playing. Aguilar didn't practice yesterday. Abram didn't practice yesterday. Um, Arnett didn't practice yesterday. Rodney Hudson didn't practice yesterday. Uh, but it was not injury related. Gabe Jackson had an off day. Uh, Josh Jacobs didn't practice, which is a problem for me, who has my fantasy. Colt Miller practiced. This offensive line will dominate the Jets if they are 100% but we don't know what they're going to look like for the Jets. Alex Lewis looks like he's going to be out. George Fant looks like he might be out. Uh, Elfline, who played pretty okay in his first uh, game with the Jets, he looks like he might not be able to go. Uh, He was limited in practice. McGovern's pretty banged up. Perryman's banged up again. Darnold's somehow a full practice, which blows my mind. And Chuma is a full participant in practice. So we don't know. 
for for sure right now. Uh, who's going to play? That's, I'm doing this on a Thursday, which is, of course, the worst day of the week to possibly know because we have inklings of who might not play, but we don't know for sure. It's usually that Friday practice that uh, really tells you what's going on. Uh, Jets' upcoming schedule is Vegas at Seattle at the Rams, Cleveland, and at New England. The really the two games that I think are the hurdles are Las Vegas and Cleveland. The fact that Las Vegas is able to hang in there with the Kansas City Chiefs should be should indicate that the Jets will be fine on their way to zero sixteen. But of course, you never know with this football team. Some things just don't go your way. Um, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, and I think that's going to wrap us up for today. I am trying to think of what else I had to cover. Just my draft rant, I guess. I I didn't really mean for it to go on that long. Um, I can go over the list of players that I've declared. That's uh, 103 names. It's not worth it. Um, and of course, that list is growing. <sighs> Shout out to 24-7 Sports and the Draft Network for tracking that. And the Senior Bowl accepted list. Uh, you are saving my butt with um, telling me who's in this draft. Because this is a really weird time where you see guys declare this early. And just stop playing in games, which is fine. I'm not against that. I preserve your body for the league, but it does not make it easy for uh, myself, who is just looking to keep track of all these guys that are going to be heading to the league, which seems like a silly thing to complain about. But I could tell you right now, it is not easy to wake up every day and have to check a bunch of websites to see if anyone declared because it's hard to find information on some guy. All of a sudden, Christian Uphoff out of Illinois State has declared for the draft, and I have to stumble upon that through the Senior Bowl website. Um, no new declares today, as far as I'm concerned. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, next Tuesday is going to be probably a little more draft. Um, I think we'll see more declares by the next Tuesday's roll around. It seems like there are more and more every day. We're already at 133. Uh, some of these guys are probably going to end up going back to college and transferring. Um, I'd be shocked if they don't because the list is really big. And right now, just looking at names, the offensive tackle position, I mean, if the Jets don't grab another one, I'm going to be furious uh there's a lot of talents in this group maybe not uh maybe a drop off after Sewell, but i think that there will be a you know a guy that can come in and start at right tackle immediately for them and the giants too if they wanted to go away from Matt Pert. but well that's you know we'll discuss more about that later um yeah that's gonna be it for today thank you guys for listening subscribe follow me on twitter at rny football uh tweet me if you disagree with anything i said today that's fine i don't i like the um one the community that we're building 
And two, I like positive discussions, right? Like, let's talk ball. And I will explain myself if I said something that you don't like. Uh, I think I was a little confusing on my on my rant before about I went on two different rants about the draft community. Um, basically, to sum it up, and not to uh, drag this on for another five more minutes. You don't need to follow everything that the head of the draft community says. But you better have a good reason for saying it. Have, you know, you, you went to high school, right? Have a have a reason, have the evidence to back it up. And don't cherry pick film to try and bash a 19-year-old kid. I think that, that sums it up in a, in a couple of sentences. I, I would say that that's, that's good enough for me. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday, and we're returning to our normal schedule from here on in. So thank you guys, and don't forget to subscribe. Peace.